Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today we are in week seven of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking with you about questions 20 through 23. And this week, it's all about faith. We've moved on from that first section in the Catechism that deals with our guilt, uh, or what the Catechism talked about as our sin and our misery, and we've moved into this grace portion. And in this grace portion, we're trying to gain an understanding of what God has done to show us His grace. Well, today, in question number 21, we get at the issue of what is, not just what is faith, but what is true faith, what is what is entailed within genuine saving faith. And then it gives this beautiful explanation of what true faith is, and I'm eager to talk about that with you. This week, we're also going to be looking at what a Christian must believe. Not only are we going to define what faith is, but we're also going to explore what our faith is in, what theological truths make up the body of doctrine that is essential to that true faith, that true saving faith. And there are endless things that we could talk about within the realm of theology, but what theological truths fall into the category of essential doctrine, those are the things we're going to be talking about today. That's what these questions are aimed at answering. And that means we have a pretty full agenda. So let's go ahead and get started with question number 20. Here's the question. Are all saved through Christ just as all were lost through Adam? Now, maybe you've never thought of that question, or maybe you have. This is a great question, and it's one that I've heard more than once. Usually, I'll hear it stated something like this. Since every member of humanity was affected by Adam's sin, why isn't all of humanity blessed by Christ's sacrifice? It doesn't seem as though that's very balanced, right? Since the curse of sin resulting from Adam is universal, why isn't the blessing of salvation resulting from Jesus universal? Well, that's a great question, and the Bible gives us um, really thorough answers in two directions. It gives us a very direct answer to this question, and it gives us some indirect answers to this question. I'll start with what I understand to be the indirect answers to this question, which is if you look at the Bible and you just read the unfolding story of redemption, humanity is going to be um, kind of separated out into various categories. Once we read the Bible, we see that there is this category of man that is remains in the curse of sin. They remain separated from God. They remain separated from the covenants and promises. They remain separated because they're still within that human nature. They're still in their sin. Nothing has been done to change that. And then you have, on the other hand, a group of people selected by God, reached out to by God, and they enjoy not just the um, the curse of sin transmitted through human nature, but they enjoy the blessing of salvation that comes to those who have faith. And so you have two categories of people. You have those who believe in Christ or believe in God more specifically, and those who believe in themselves or they believe in some false God. You have those who never get out of that curse, and then you have those who do by faith in God. God. And the two key words in this indirect approach to answering this question are those who are by nature and those who are by faith. And as the story of the Bible plays out, you see these two distinctions play out as well, those who believe and those who do not believe. So the Bible helps us to answer that question in this very indirect sense as we read through the story. But 
there's also a very direct way that the Bible answers this question. God answers this question for us, and he answers it in a way that unfolds over thousands of years. But the launch point for it, 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 how he plans to undo the curse, it really starts in Genesis 15 with a man named Abram. In Genesis, God made a covenant with Abram and promised to bless him and his descendants. And this covenant, this foundation, is the foundation that God is going to build his entire plan and purpose and covenant of redemption on. And this covenant unfolds through the rest of the Bible. So not only do we see the story play out as to why everybody is in Adam and only those who are of faith are saved, but we also see this in the fact that this is part of God's plan. This is what God had planned and purposed to do. He made a covenant, and that covenant was initiated by His sovereign grace, and that covenant requires faith on the part of the individual. And in this case, in Genesis 15, it's on the part of Abraham. Now, there are a number of places in Scripture where this covenant is explained, um, summarized, if you will. You can, you can read about it in Hebrews 11. Uh, you can read about it in Romans. You can also read about it in Galatians, and that's what I want to do with you now. I want to look at Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 6 to see how the Bible answers this question. And remember, the question is, are all saved through Christ just as all were lost through Adam? Now, here's Galatians 3, 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now, that's Paul's referring back to that covenant that God made with Abraham back in Genesis. And then he ends this passage in Galatians by saying this, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, one of the books that I've been reading through, and I've encouraged you actually to read through, is a book by Kevin DeYoung. Um, and the, the title of the book is The Good News We Almost Forgot. And what Kevin does in this book, he's a pastor, and what he does in this book is he, he actually is working through the Heidelberg Catechism just like we are. And he has something really helpful to say about this particular issue answering this question. Redemption is not a right, but a blessing. Not all will be saved. That's what the Bible tells us. Although the fall of humanity was universal, salvation is not. It is only by faith that we are joined to Christ and share in all that his salvation accomplished. So as you just read through the story of Scripture, you see very indirectly that there are two different types of people, those who remain in Adam and those who actually come and accept the, the works of Christ by faith. You have believers and unbelievers, and that's why not all will be saved. And then you, when you read a little more deeply into the Scriptures, you see that this was part of God's plan. God determined, even before the foundation of the world, that He was going to save for Himself a people. He was going to save them by His grace. He was going to save them through the work of His Son. But He was going to also save them through that mechanism of faith. They must believe. And so the answer to question 20 is this. Are all saved through Christ just as all were lost through Adam? No. Only those are saved who by true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his blessings. Now here comes question 21. But what is true faith? And the answer is this. True faith 
is not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in His Word is true, it is also a deep-rooted assurance created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel that out of sheer grace earned for us by Christ, not only others, but I too have had my sins forgiven, have been made forever right with God, and have been granted salvation. Now, this is a wonderful answer to this question, and it's so rich, and there's so many different ways we could look at it. If faith is necessary for us to be grafted into Christ and saved from our sin and misery, then what is faith? And it's a legitimate question. And this answer gives us a really well-defined, fully-orbed definition of biblical saving faith. Faith is, according to this, knowledge and conviction. Those are two separate things. It is deep-rooted assurance. That's another thing. It is created by the Holy Spirit. That's something we need to know. It is humble and it is personal. All of these elements are contained in the answer of what is true faith. And so here's what I want us to do. I want to take a few minutes to look at each of these statements one at a time. And remember, the question is, what is true faith? Well, Heidelberg says, faith is first, knowledge. And this is referring to the information concerning Christ and his gospel. Faith has an object. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. And the object of our faith, this knowledge, what we must know, the information, according to Heidelberg, is everything that God reveals in his word. And I would add specifically that body of Christian doctrine which relates to the gospel. So faith is first knowledge. Now we're going to look at what this information is in more detail in questions 22 and 23. But for now, let's just move on from there. Faith is, first of all, it's knowledge. It's information. But information alone is not enough. It must be accompanied with conviction. We might think of conviction as the affirmation that the knowledge concerning Christ is true. It's one thing to know what Christians believe. It's another thing to, be, to trust or believe that those things are, in fact, true. Knowing gospel truth is not the same thing as believing that it is true. So it must be accompanied with conviction. I'll say it this way. Many people could pass a test concerning what Christians believe, but that doesn't mean that those people actually believe it with conviction. So faith is knowledge. Faith is conviction. Three, faith is deep-rooted assurance. Now, I like this part because now we've moved from knowledge and assent all the way to trust. We've, we've moved to this place and time where we are actually believing personally. We are assured of our knowledge. We've moved to this place of confidence, we don't just know the facts. We don't just believe that those facts are true. At this point, we are trusting in this for ourselves. We've accepted this. You could think of faith at this point as having three parts, knowledge, assent, and trust. Now, number four, faith is created, according to Heidelberg, by the Holy Spirit. And there are many different places we could go to and look at this. First uh, Peter 1 comes to mind. Um, Ephesians 2 comes to mind. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not the result of works. You have nothing to boast about. Faith is a gift to be received. And that gift is brought about by the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. Okay, the next one. Faith is 
humble. Now, why do I say that faith is humble? Well, as you see in Ephesians 2.9, I just read it, um, and the Catechism actually states this as well. Faith is a work of sheer grace. It's the result of Christ's work and not our own. And that means that genuine faith, true faith, is a humble faith. It's a trusting in the work of another, not a trusting in your own personal work. But lastly, faith is personal. It is not saving faith unless I believe it. It does me no good unless I too have had my sins forgiven. Salvation is more than a concept. It's more than just a story. It is my story. In order for faith to be true, it must be personal. And there's a lot of other things you could do with this. You could look at this, and and I'm sure there's three or four other things you might want to see here, but faith is knowledge. Faith is conviction. Faith is deep-rooted assurance. Faith is created by the Spirit of God. Faith is humble, and faith is personal. Those are answers to the question of what is true faith. Okay, so that's helping us to understand the nature of true faith. But what about the subject of true faith or the the knowledge, the object? That's where question 22 goes. What then must a Christian believe? And the answer is everything God promises us in the gospel. That gospel is summarized for us in the articles of our Christian faith, a creed beyond doubt and confessed throughout the world. Now that we've explored what true faith is, we need to back up and discover what true faith believes. We are not saved simply because we believe that God is, nor because we want to go to heaven. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now that term gospel means good news. Jesus is saying that we must believe But the question is, what must we believe? Well, we must believe the good news. And and that's stated for us here. What is the good news? Well, it's everything God promises us in the gospel. And the gospel is summarized in the articles of our Christian faith. And for many of you, you know what this article is. This is a creed that Heidelberg says is beyond doubt and it's confessed throughout the world. But let's look at that in more detail. Question 23 says, what are the articles? The the gospel is summarized in the articles of our faith. Well, what are those articles? And here's the Apostles' Creed outlining and articulating the articles of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of everlasting. Now, there's a lot of information that is packed into this. You can see, number one, that it has a Trinitarian um, formation, right? It talks about God the Father, Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's also rooted not only in history, but rooted in uh, just the theological terminology of what Christ has actually done for us. 
Um, now, when we talk about the gospel, now I'm not going to go into all the details of this and, and pull this whole thing out. I really want to encourage you to study it for yourself, especially if you've never studied the Apostles' Creed. But when we talk about the gospel, the content of the gospel, it is important for us to know that the gospel doesn't come to us from this creed. The good news of Jesus Christ comes to us from the Word of God. And you could look at any number of passages in the Bible to get a summary of the gospel. The first one that comes to my mind is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Or you could look at um, some of the epistles of Paul or even his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 8, and chapter 2 and verse 8. I want to read for you 1 Corinthians 15, just a, a small portion, um, so that we, we get some of the content that makes up this creed, the Apostles' Creed. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. So there's some really important stuff right there. He's reminding them of the gospel message, the message they've already heard, the message that he preached to them, the message that they received with true faith, and the message in which they are standing, and by which they are being saved, if they hold fast to this message or the word that was preached. He goes on and he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So this is the, the gospel that he summarizes, the Apostle Paul summarizes for us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. But the statement I just read, the statement uh, that is quoted in Heidelberg is known as the Apostles' Creed. And it is one of those first statements of belief put together by the early church. And it has for millennia served to summarize the gospel and to state the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. And there are other creeds that have been handed down within the church. Some may be better, some more thorough, some even more succinct than others. But the Apostles' Creed has long been a measuring stick for Christian orthodoxy, and it is worth the investment of your time. So here's what I wanted you to do. I just want to encourage you not only to read through the catechism and, and seek to memorize it, but also spend some time looking at this particular creed. Take some time to read over the answer to question 23 and think on each part. Perhaps as an exercise with your family or alone, you could look up some of the passages in Scripture that the statements in the Creed are actually taken from. And if so, you will find that it is not the Bible which depends upon the Creed, but the Creed which depends upon the Bible. Now, thanks for joining me today for this week's installment of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you will join me again next week as we turn our attention to question 24, 25, 26, and 27. If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstone Wiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.